This is a Rooster Teeth production. While exploring nearby woods, a group of teenage boys in the quiet town of Worcestershire, England, stumbled upon a gruesome scene, the skeleton of an unknown woman stuffed into a tree. This woman became the talk of the town as investigators failed to identify who she was. Today, we begin our themed month with week one of unsettling forest mysteries as we attempt to answer the chilling question, who put Bella in the witch elm? This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force members, to Red Web. I'm your host, Trevor Collins. With me is Alfredo Diaz. This is the show all about unsolved mysteries, true crime, the unsolved in general, cryptids, aliens, paranormal activity, all sorts of good stuff. Fredo, I hope you're buckled in because we have a bit of a theme month coming in this month. Oh? Yeah. Today, you know we're talking about the Witch Elm. Yeah. We'll get all into that. Yeah. But I figured this is almost a, uh, a test run for October where we're going to have our own like big theme month culminating right, right. in something cool for Halloween. Yeah, appropriate. This month, we're going to do Creepy Woods. Because oh. what, what do we do with this show except oh. take the normal mundane things of life and make them eerie woods and are unsettling? Sc- woods are scary without being scary. Oh, yeah. Because you could legit just walk into like a national park and get lost. Oh, yeah. You can get lost. have to get rescued. Right. Like we got the missing 411 cases we talked about. Yeah. That could happen any park. It just very easily. Mm-hmm. So that's already like, all right. Yeah. That could just yeah. happen without anything supernatural or any mystery. Predators. <laughs> yeah. That could happen. Yes. True. Cryptids. They're out there. Yeah. Well, you They're know. They're hanging around woods in general. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be lost looking up at the trees thinking maybe I'll find Bigfoot up there. Right, right. That's not the first fear I've got in my mind, no. but it is a fear. A Possibility. Fear. This month, we're going to cover unsettling forests because honestly, there are so many of them around the world and there's only so many weeks in this month. We'll, we'll obviously come back to some more in the future, but we wanted to find some of the, the biggest ones from around the world. So let us know, Task Force, you are a global audience. So we want to know if anybody lives near any of these particular forests that we're going to talk about in this month. I'm very eager. Maybe at the end of the episode, I'll walk you through what episodes are coming next, which normally, you know, I don't know, we're testing different things. Like normally we like to keep it a little mystery for you. That's the local things. Testing the fences like a bunch of raptors. We like to surprise you on a Monday with a mystery. Now, now you can just start penciling them in. Make this uh, an appointment. Things to look forward to. Right. Stop by the task force HQ. Mm -hmm. Pick up your buttons, your badge. (laughs) Your what? Your sippy cup of knowledge. Sippy cup of, yeah. Wait, hold on. Rewind it back. Buttons? Yeah, well, you know, got to keep those shirts buttoned up tight. <laughs> oh. Okay. Lab coats those got buttons, buttons on them. I <laughs> didn't understand buttons. I still don't understand. I said, I said buttons <laughs> instead of pins, and you know what? I rolled he with said it. buttons, and then <laughs> buttons on what? On shirts. Okay. Appreciate you doubling down on it. Just not even to anything. It's just no. a button on a shirt. Look, Maybe that's our next product. It's a, it's a t-shirt with a button on it. Just a big button. Uh, it's on brand. Yeah. It's on brand. All right, so let's dive into it. Let's talk about the witch elm. And if you're listening to this with your ears, as I hope you are not listening with your eyes, you're going to notice that we're going to say witch elm a lot. It's W Y C H elm. It's a type of tree. The witch elm is is best known for its towering size. It's about a hundred feet on average is what Jesus. they kind of get up to. And witch elm is usually associated with death, or at least for many many years it was associated with death due to how often it was used to make coffins. So it has a bit of a colorful history to oh. it. Oh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. How would you feel about having 
a tree like that, like in your backyard. A witch elm? Yeah. Sounds sick. I'd be down for it. Okay. You were like, that tree right there, that's what they use for coffin. Yeah, that's the co- That's my coffin tree. I'm growing my coffin out back. <laughs> you know, I've always got a sight on the future, you know. You know they said plan ahead, just, and I said how far. I'm just trying to cut out the middleman, you know, <laughs> make my own coffin. All right, with all the goofs and buttons out of the way, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's dive into the mystery of who put Bella in the witch elm. All right, so I'm going to take you way back. Wind that machine back to April 18th. 1943. A group of teenage boys were walking through Hagley Woods. Hagley is in a large village and civil parish of Worcestershire, England, on the boundary of the West Midlands. Now, very simply put, the West Midlands is a metropolitan county of central England. It contains a lot of beautiful cities, Birmingham, Coventry, Dudley, Sandwell, so on and so forth, many beautiful places. Parts of Dudley, Sandwell, and Birmingham actually lie in the historic county of Worcestershire, where this story takes place. So shout out to the English task force. So these boys were trespassing in the woods, which were on the grounds of Hagley Hall Estate, owned by Lord Cobham. Not really a person you want to wrong if they got a Lord in front of their name. They got some sway. Yeah. I wouldn't want Lord in my title. People would probably think you're like target. A, like a, or they, yeah, they target you for your money mm-hmm. or just hate you because they would just think you're like a douchebag. True. I feel like all lords end up being disturbed ghosts as well, right? Wandering the halls of their own own estates. Damn. So these boys are kicking it in the forest. They enter the forest with their dogs, hoping that they might be able to find eggs. This is actually what they're looking for in order to take back to their families, cook them up, make a meal. Like bird eggs. So the dog is able to like, I mean, mean, dogs can sniff anything, but like they're just, I guess, go up to a tree and start looking up and sniffing. That's a good question. I don't know. The dogs don't really come into the picture much beyond this, but yeah, comfort animal, smell things out, protection. You know, it's just a random question. I'm like, what? They sniff for eggs? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Button sniffers. Now, (laughs) along their way, one of the boys, actually Bob Farmer specifically, spotted a witch elm, and he said, "You know what? That's a tall tree. I think I'm going to climb it." So he climbs it up. At the top of the tree, he was able to then notice that the tree was hollow. He could look down the center of the trunk into the bottom of the tree. And when he looked down there, he saw what looked like a white object. And of course, in the hunt for bird eggs, he's like, great, I've found an egg. Well, when he pulls this egg out of the tree, he finds himself face to face with a human skull. The skull was described as having human hair stuck into it. Oh, crooked teeth that hung out of the skull's mouth. And of course, the boy was super scared, put the skull back where he found it, and all the boys ran out of the woods. At that point, the boys made a pact that they would keep the skull a secret because if they told anyone what they saw, they would get in trouble for simply trespassing on the estate. While this seemed like an easy secret to keep at the time, 17-year-old Tom Willits felt uneasy about what they found. Of course, anyone Mm. in their right mind would. There's always one that cracked. You know, there's always one bad egg. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he was feeling uneasy about what they found. Couldn't help himself. Told his parents. Sounds like he's got a good relationship with his parents. But, of course, the parents were like, well, that's disturbing. We have to call the police immediately. The police immediately go to the site where they found the witch elm and they looked around themselves upon realizing how tightly jammed into the trunk the skeleton was. The tree had to be cut down in order for the police to further access the remains inside of the tree. And then, once they did cut it down within the hollow tree, the police not only found the skull, 
that the boys found, but then they found the rest of the entire skeleton of a woman minus the hand. So there's a lot to unpack here. Lots to unpack. I will say, like, I can very much, like, envision this because, like, mm -hmm. when I was younger, there was a, we would, yeah, do a little trespassing ourselves, but there was, like, an Ooh. abandoned hospital. We'll take that as a confession. Write that down, Christian. Yep, go ahead. Got it. Add it to the list. Mm -hmm. Put that right under which countries, <laughs> which elms are native in. Uh, but there was an abandoned hospital, so we were just, like. Ooh, that's got to be eerie. Yeah, yeah. We would just, like, and the, the path was, like. You deep, deep in the woods. You look, went there. Look, deep in the woods I, in an abandoned hospital. I, I didn't want to go, but of course I'm like. Was, there, was there a cute girl in the group that you tried look, to smooth? There up? was a group of us, uh -huh, and like, uh -huh. yeah, maybe there was a cute girl. Oh, we got our but answers. like, but like, you know, I was like, uh, there's uh, maybe like six of us, so okay. I feel like I can out. I mean, uh, look, young Alfredo <laughs> in my house, like I can outrun everyone here. So that being, Fair which enough. is not smart because it was like pitch dark like the path to get there yeah and it was just like gravel and you know trees and shrubs all that kind of stuff so i would probably bust my butt out there um but you know we we did and so like while you were saying this in my mind like jesus like what would it be if we saw like a body there yeah right that that's like what would you do what i do you think your group would do honestly a group we would report it for sure. Right. Uh, I don't think we would be like, oh, we're dressed by that. I think, you know, we would report it. Honestly, maybe, maybe when I was younger, I'd freak out more. But as of right now, if I was to come across that, I'd be like, whoa, that's gnarly. With like right, all respect, right. I'd be like, this is like a crazy situation here. Mm -hmm. Right. It, the, the body's dead. Right. Now, depending on like, like the level of decay. Right. Like if it it's was a just a big question. It, right. That's a huge question. Like they found mostly skeleton like still pieces of hair and maybe mm -hmm. some skin or whatnot and that is like oh that's that's gross but if you're talking about like a body that mo is mostly flesh or even then it's just like oh that's a person that like is in between like are they sleeping and like oh my goodness like i think they're dead mm -hmm. like that's terrifying oh yeah right like that that to me yeah that'd scare me if, if, it, if it was recent activity yeah mm -mm. you don't right. know what's up you don't know why it's in exactly. like ended this way is the person still in the vicinity right. like am i gonna get caught am i gonna be was it the owls i mean these are all obvious know. questions check you know? the eyes <laughs> then they go for the eyes so so while you're saying this like in my head i'm like wow like so we're taking I, you back yeah I, to I was, a personal experience right That's where i was like if i found something during that moment like yeah. that would be terrifying yeah or could be uh, depending on like honestly weirdly enough depending on the condition of the body now um they found they found in the tree yep like tightly packed in there to the point where they had to cut it so, down so were there was there like a whole like on the side of the tree or was it all he did he climb all the way to the top and look because you say he looked down yeah he he looked down and saw the top of the head from there mm -hmm. this story is always that part has always confused me personally every right. time i read or like talk about this i always misunderstand if there was a separate hole at the bottom but either way this this woman was fully encased and trapped in this witch elm whether there was a, a smaller hole right. down below yeah, or yeah. not. I, I believe the way that this body was understood to be there was top down. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I don't, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is now an assumption, but mm -hmm. based on the further details after researching it, I believe that there is not a hole down below. I believe so, yeah. My yeah. interpretation is that, like you said, it's from top, top down. down. No one yeah, actually, yeah. it's on. It, honestly strange that you say this. No one really clarifies that in anything that I've 
like heard yeah. or read about. I'm sure some people do, of course, but it's not a, a prevalent right. detail. Yeah, enough. but just me, I like to visualize things. So I'm like, was he climbing up? And as he was climbing up, on there was a hole in the side of the tree, or did he go all the way towards like the top of the tree and then look down? Yeah. Now I don't think this was a hundred foot tree that he climbed up. Yeah. It's just that's where they can get to. But yeah, he 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 found a uh, decaying, essentially long trunk. Looked down, and there it was. So the police hacked this thing down to get inside. They found the skeleton, obviously minus that hand. And along with the skeleton, which still had some fabric remnants from her clothing wrapped around her bones, police also found a gold ring, some blue shoes. Excuse me. I believe it was one blue shoe, perhaps two. One was being worn at least. And they believed that these items also belonged to the skeleton. Around the tree, police found bones that eventually they figured out constituted one's hand and this could be the missing hand and so the authorities believe that the bones of the hand must have been disturbed by wildlife in some way just given that they were scattered around a piece of taffeta fabric i believe i'm pronouncing that properly i hope i am this fabric was found inside the mouth possibly indicating that this woman had suffocated or been suffocated a medical examiner named james webster looked at this skeleton and was able to determine that the woman died in roughly October of 1941, at roughly 35 years old, that's the best estimate. Otherwise, there was a range also given with this, and that range was anywhere between 25 and 40 years old. So a pretty pretty good guess based on all the things considered. An interesting fact was that she was five feet tall, which not sure about the 1940s, but is not a super common height for a fully grown mm -hmm. woman. Also, another interesting detail that makes this individual distinct was her protruding teeth which you could I, I i'm gonna get into it but you could talk to a dentist to, to try to look up records for these unique features around this person additionally there was also light brown hair and the medical examiner was also able to determine that she had given birth to at least one child and based on the way the skeleton was lodged in the tree webster was sure that this was the result of a murder rather than an accident or a suicide though there were no signs of violence at this site. He believes that the woman was killed, at least in the immediate area, and then placed in the tree. If she had been killed somewhere else, it would have taken a lot of effort and time to take this body to this location. And Webster thought it would also be very unlikely that they would have time to take a corpse and put it down the tree before rigor mortis set in. Rigor mortis, of course, being the stiffening of the joints and the muscles that make the body very rigid a few hours after death. And that usually lasts from one to four days. Man, I just, I'm baffled. Like even back then they're able to pinpoint so many fine little details. Mm -hmm. Like after just, you know, only having access to the, the, the body, granted, like you have access to the body, the whole body, but like looking at the body, studying it and be like, okay, here are the facts. Here's a bunch of details, etc. Yeah. But the whole rigor mortis thing is like actually pretty important because yeah, I mean, you can't, really stuff a body down there so it had to be recent the thing that you said that kind of like i don't know maybe like put a pin in it was the uh the fact there was a gold ring they didn't take the gold ring so it doesn't seem mm -hmm. like granted they, they could have more different valuables on them that was right. more important and maybe there was time crunch but to me it just off off uh, like off the rip like I don't, i'm not thinking like oh this was a robbery right because there's the gold something ring deeper still there, right yeah, yeah. There, there's probably something deeper I'm curious to see like how they were murdered or if, mm -hmm. or if we even know like how, right? 
Yeah. Um, were there like scratch marks on the bone indicating like a stabbing mm -hmm. or anything like that? Well, we'll dive into the theories as much as we can, but it's it's really hard because despite really narrowing the search based on these details, there's not much else to go on. And we'll, we'll expand around that search here in a bit. But in an effort, like I said, to identify this skeleton, Worcestershire police contacted local dentists to see if any of them could possibly recognize these unique protruding teeth. They also compared the skull's teeth with those of missing persons reports and subsequently found no answers. On April 24th of 1943, the Hartlepool Northern Daily Mail published a probable description of this individual so that way it could be blasted out to the public and the public could then help kind of group think this search a little bit with this to say, quote, her age is given as between 25 and 40, most probably 35. Height, five feet, with light brown hair and dressed in dark blue and mustard-colored striped cardigan and mustard-colored skirt. Blue crepe sold shoes, size five and a half. All the garments were described as poor quality, and a wedding ring found among the bones was of rolled gold. So they posted this. They also had a drawing of what this person could have looked like with their clothes. Fredo, I'll let you take a look at that drawing. But as always, at RedWebPod is our Twitter handle and our YouTube handle if you want to go find the visual assets for yourself. But essentially, it's just this is very... a hand-drawn version of what I described. Yeah, I mean, it's hand-drawn. There's really no, like, I mean, there's not even a nose on it. Uh, there's no detail in the eyes or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, granted, they, they don't know who it is or what their, like, features are really. But, I mean, yeah, there's nothing here. It's mostly, when you look at this, it's it's mostly just like a, like a building block for the information that goes around it. Right. It, it just looks like that could be a standard woman yep. of this time period. You know, you might have help with the hair length because if you look at the hair that was on mm -hmm. the skeleton, you go from that. But otherwise, a standard drawing. Not that I would ever uh, commit a crime or like a murder, um, but you've got to think that the person that did do this, like grabs a newspaper, this is being blasted everywhere. You gotta be sweating a bit. Oh yeah, if you right? did this, you did this, and like, oh, they found the body. Right. Like a little, a little stressed out, but also if you did it and you find that everyone's going, who did this? You might then start to go, oh, maybe. Maybe I'm free. Maybe right. they don't know. I think after a little bit, it would settle in like maybe I'm free. But every single day, I'd be like, are they going to stomp on my front door today? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So police then began investigating the items that they found surrounding the tree, but still found themselves at a dead end. Of course, this is unsolved mystery, so we're going to yep. find a lot of dead ends. But in 1943, it's worth remembering that this was the height of World War II, which quickly took precedence over the mysterious woman being found in this tree and subsequently, the case kind of went cold for a little bit. The police found no answers and had bigger concerns with the war, so they parked this case for quite some time. And it wouldn't be until nearly six months later, if not longer, actually, that other evidence, not even evidence, that something else happened around the town. Talk had died down of the tree skeleton. Leads went cold. Really, this whole thing got forgotten until 1944, around Christmas time when a mysterious graffiti was spotted on an abandoned building. It was found in West Midland, written in block letters and in white chalk, and it said, quote, Who put Lubella down the witch elm? This is the first time a name had been mentioned with regards to the body. So a lot of people, when finding out about this graffiti, immediately go, 
that must be the person that did it or must be someone that knows about this case because they named this unidentified person. I will say it's worth mentioning that we don't know if this is the name or a name. If someone just kind of made one up. Right. They were like, I'm going to label this um, missing person case myself. Yeah. Oh, there's a, oh man, there's a handful to unpack there. Let's start unpacking. Well, I mean, one, like, yeah, I mean, if I was, I just keep putting myself in this situation. This yeah, episode. yeah, I like I it. I mean, if I was to like write a question, yeah, I'd do block letters. That'd be the first thing I go to. Oh, yeah. So you can't like, all you caps, know, block letters. Yep. All Trace caps. this one. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You won't know. And then I'm like, well, that corner bottom left curve, we got you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Um, So that that's, that's insane. I didn't even think about like, in my mind, instantly, I was like, oh, this is someone that knows the person. But it could have, yeah, no, it could have very well been someone labeling mm-hmm. the body. Which in that case, I'm just like, I don't know if that does more harm. Right. It's misinformation. Right. Regardless of intent or not. I right? guess it, it does like bring up this whole like missing person case. Mm-hmm. But like, it, right. But I feel like it kind of takes the case and spirals it in a weird direction right right. like who wrote this is this the person like uh is that their name so i don't i don't know if that's like helpful or not yeah it it is really tough because again regardless of intent it creates a very twisty potential cold trail right yeah so now the police have to track down who did this why did they do it many months later Mm -hmm. uh why now and why with the name and was this just a prank or what? So anyway, let's talk more yeah. about this graffiti. Well, the, well, the thing too is yeah, like, yeah. if you don't know the person, I'd be just curious as to why is it so important for mm-hmm. you, like to it for it to be brought back up again, right? Or if you did know the person, why be anonymous? Yeah, right. Why yeah. not go to the police and say something? Yeah. Either way, it's it's quite confusing to be right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So. Especially like, listen, I get it. I wouldn't want anyone disrespected either. I wouldn't want a missing person or a body found to be kind of neglected. But if World War II is raging, when the war to end all wars was meant to be the final one, and now you're in the throes of a second world war, mm-hmm. let's let's step back a little bit. Let's not start going, hey, police, what about that body, though? Right. Like, we got a lot to it's really great, pay attention yeah. to. So it's definitely an interesting move. So sometime later, it is worth mentioning that another piece of graffiti message was found on a building in Birmingham. This time it said something slightly different, quote, who put Bella in Witch Elm, Hagley Wood. In the same area, more writings were found with variations of the original question. This is the same forest and the same type of tree that the unidentified body was found in. Of course, it's pointing exactly to this case because they specified in yet another message, Hagley Wood, to really center it in. Though various messages had variations in them, it appears that it's the same person due to the chalk being present on both writings and the handwriting being very similar. Okay, perfect. I was going to ask that. I yeah. was like, what, is the writing match up? Mm-hmm. So police focused on the missing person's cases with people named Bella because, right, that's another angle. Right. more details. You, you instantly in. go down that lane. And then they asked the public for information on anybody that's missing a Bella. Any missing Bella please share your information. The discovery and persistence of this graffiti gave new life to the case and a name to investigate. Though none of the Bellas that popped up because of this search and because of this graffiti matched the description of the woman found in the Witch Elm, it kind of created more questions, but ultimately it's unknown how 
many, and how often the message appeared or when, if ever, the original writer stopped. Basically, all I'm trying to say is graffiti started popping up everywhere. Yeah. It might have been one writer at a moment, but suddenly it spiraled out of control and a lot of Bellas came forward, but none of them ultimately matched the five foot crooked protruding teeth, light brown hair kind of description that the skeleton had. In fact, it wasn't until the 1970s, a few decades later, that the most famous iteration of the message was found, and it was found on the Hagley slash Witchbury obelisk in the same area that the body was discovered. And this time it said in the same words, but with a different spelling, quote, who put Bella in the witch elm? Again, you're listening with your ears, not your eyes. And which this time is spelled W-I-T-C-H as in the magic being rather than a type of tree. So this is, this is really what starts to give it a new feel and starts to bring in theories and ideation around witchcraft and, yeah. you know, misdeeds around that sort of thing. Right. Does someone think that this person was... A, a witch casting spells or like mm -hmm. you know trying to sway them their minds something like that and then was terrified and then killed them because right. of that a historic excuse for violence essentially yep, yep. so um, since the 1970s the Hagley obelisk and other buildings in the area have been repeatedly written on with this message essentially just like a viral trend in this area now for this to pop up in white chalk the message in the Hagley obelisk remains there to this day here's a picture of it oh wow yeah it, uh, it's just as eerie as one might imagine. Just slowly drawn, all cap letters. Right. Very skinny and chalks, like, uh, like a haunted child. Well, at least up there, they're, but... I mean, you shouldn't be vandalizing, but at least they're writing in chalk. Right. Spritz that it's off. Easy. Gone. Water. Gone. Now, in 2018, British anthropologist and facial reconstruction expert Caroline Wilkinson recreated Bella's features by using photos taken from the crime scene in order to visualize what that face would look like. We actually do have for you, Fredo, a oh. visualization of that face. One of my favorite techniques of modern science is that people can do this. I don't know yeah. how accurate it is. Right. I would love to see but people take a skull and and do this to someone who's living, but the color, the the coloring and the lighting makes it look very spooky. It's definitely creepy. Um, a lot of AI this, generated. This but. is yeah, no, this is a person's face. I'd be like, oh, this is a photo of someone. Um, man, that's crazy. Yeah, the teeth are very, like the the two front teeth. Um, on they're the overlapping. Upper layer are, yeah, they're like overlapping. They're crooked, and that and was like very the, crooked. Yeah, so. it was one of like the key descriptors of this. person. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, like you would know this person. Um, I mean, honestly, they would leave a mark in your memory bank. Right. It's a, it's a unique face. Yeah. Now I love this type of. Experiment. I've always just wondered about the accuracy, right? I've seen it used on mummies in ancient Egypt mm -hmm. and how they bring people's faces to life. And I think it's the dopest thing I've ever, like, to bring the dead back. It's so cool. To visualize. It really puts your mind back in time. And that's one of my favorite things about history. But I digress. Either way, they got the major, like, the macro level descriptors right. They got the, the face shape and the mouth and the hair and everything. Now, one of the things that always frustrates me about these unsolved cases is when things get lost. Oh, and um, it's one of those. Mm -hmm. And it's it's worse than that, too, because it was the actual skull. She wasn't able to use anything but photos of this stuff back a few decades or many decades at this point ago because the skull itself was lost and the police don't know what happened to it. How, well, 
It's a human skull. It's a human skull. In a missing person's case. Right. How do you lose? What? Yeah. I well, don't like what I don't understand is like, because this has happened, like valuable stuff like this and, and these mysteries has happened. Mm -hmm. Like, not that we would be able to find out, but I would love to know that the, the statistic of like, like where along the chain that happens. Well, we have a, a decent idea. Oh, we don't know who, but we have a location in the chain, right? Okay. So the police obviously are on scene. The body goes for an autopsy. And Professor Webster then, after the autopsy, gave the remains to a fellow professor. Somewhere in that particular time period, Bella's skeleton went missing from the medical school. You don't know if it's a college prank. You don't know if it's a, a mix-up of evidence. Mm -hmm. But it makes you wonder, was the skeleton destroyed or is it now somewhere obvious, right, that... Like it's right in front of people, oh, hidden in plain sight, that people just don't know that that could be that. That's interesting. Like, you know? is it on display at like a medical, like uh, university or right. something like that? Right. People can study or at a museum. Yeah. Or just got mixed with another skull. Just a regular body donated for I, science. That never crossed my mind. Yeah. Or yeah, or or it could have been like uh, you know, for i don't know the study or something like that and then i don't i don't know what the process is and may possibly unfortunately discard it after that mm -hmm. or, or store it away somewhere but it could be you think that like the teeth would kind of keep that like like oh wait a minute hold like, on hold that on this skull. one has the, yeah like yeah. this skull has the um you know crooked teeth right so that, that someone's that, gonna that connect those dots to, yeah yeah guess not at least not until, well, right. some maybe question mark in the future. But but it very well could be. Like, there's got to be, like, one skull out there was like, this is the skull of yeah. of a certain king during the mm -hmm. 1950s. And really, it's like, nah, it's like some skull right. from... Wait a minute, that's Bella! Right. I, I've seen those teeth! Right! Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't I don't know, man, like... I never thought about that. It makes me wonder, like, what would you what would you do with a skull? I, I, with a skull? I don't know. Man, that's frustrating. I hope I don't get lost. Or maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe I want my body actively doing something. Right. I mean, if your body just so happened to be on display yeah. and it was like, this is... Look the, at my bones. Yeah. This is the skull of, like, I don't know, the inventor of yeah. Google. And you're like, nah, not really. It's just, I'd just me. Be a, I'd just be a ghost <laughs> kicking it around there in the science exhibit. I'm like, yeah, look at my bones. Those are good bones. <laughs> those are good bones. I drank my milk. Really good bones. Good looking, good looking cheekbones. <laughs> look at those cheekbones. <laughs> um, but yeah. No one ultimately knows exactly sure when this went missing, nor has anyone been able to recover the missing evidence. And I think, yes, that impacts what Caroline Wilkinson was doing with recreating her features in a photograph. But worst of all, now in modern medicine, in modern science and forensics, it makes it impossible to do, well, not impossible, but because of this, they were unable to do modern DNA testing on it. My question is then, where are the other bones at? Yeah, could you use the other bones? Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm I sure they want the hair that was on this. Yeah, the hair would work really well. Hmm. Well, you, I, let me well, ask the, you a the, question. The thing is, though, like, mm -hmm. there's hair. Oh, man. I guess depending on how it decayed, there'd only be hair on that, on the skull. Yeah. Like, not And hair it's also described else. commonly as hair stuck into it. Oh. Which is weird. Like, I don't know exactly what that means, but everyone into says it, that. There's no blunt force trauma that like yeah. smashed like the scalp into the maybe it was just stuck to it or something it, like yeah I mean look, yeah he the, probably just decayed remained. and got stuck to it with Blech. the sun or something oh I'm thinking of the Chris Keeper now yeah. this oh, is freaking that, me out that guy freaked me out 
But that's what bums me out the most, is not being able to do a DNA analysis. You won't be able to find living relatives or anybody that matches it in some sort of way. That's resolved so many cases. Yeah, I, and like back then, I don't think there was like an, an uh, extensive like like dental record archive somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, nowadays, yeah, I mean, everything's logged digitally, but. Well, one thing I'm going off my, my memory banks now, because I don't have this in my notes, but one thing I do remember, and you studied some dentistry back in college, so I have a question for Once you if you know, but it looked as though looking at the skull, police were like, it seemed that a tooth had been pulled relatively recently in the person's living life. And so they thought that that little uh, dental activity would at least be in the recent files of local dentists. And so trying to corroborate all this information did seem like a very smart play. And there's some theories that attempt to address why in the local area, this person wasn't popping up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, like, even back then, there was some sort of, like, system to, like, archive um, dental records. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, Even if was... you're just like, I pulled this person's canine. Right? right, I mean, there's still, like, there's still ledgers and logs and stuff like that because it's a continuous... Right. It's a continuous thing, right? Like, even back then, they had to log what they were doing, so that way they knew, like, where this person's teeth were at, the history of it, yep. et cetera, like, with any, like, medical mm -hmm. thing. But like, so like, oh, what's this thing? Oh, I see you had work on that teeth. But honestly, teeth but honestly, that's like it. I mean, we already talked about how that's what that's like the path that they chase down the most. But I mean, mm -hmm. it makes sense. Like you can learn a lot from a just like dental records alone. Um, The, the kind of like it, it narrows down. Like, did you have like, I mean, it could narrow grand, down not not, not back then, but like even today, like was there amalgam using their teeth for yep. fillings? Is mm -hmm. there porcelain like? Um, was there things like Invisalign news, right? Like anything and could help at all. Oh yeah. Right. We're just like, okay, like we're narrowing it down. And this has, this was very specific dental work. Like mm -hmm. it could help. One of my favorite things is when they're archeologists or paleontologists or anything are analyzing teeth from extinct creatures or just whatever they find. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, based on the like the ridges on the back of these teeth, we think this, or based on how these teeth were worn down, we think their diet was high in fiber or something like that. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff blows my mind. Do you think, I mean, like you could even, I mean, like even like, um, like any type of, uh, difference or any type of decay or destruction to the tooth enamel. And like even like the outer protective layer, the dentin, mm -hmm. all that's logged. Like, granted, who knows how extensive was the, the the logging was back then? But even like nowadays, like if you had a cavity in a certain area, that's logged. Yeah. And so so you, that's you know nowadays they take the dental records and they're just like, okay, well there was a cavity here and there and there, and so let, let's send that out. Like they'll have they'll literally like log like take a look at the teeth, log all the different like areas and like work and word like any type of. Uh, uh, decay or any issues with the dentin, all that kind of stuff. And they'll send that out to like local dentists, be like, hey, does this match anything? Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys got records, you guys got x rays. Like, it's it can be pretty extensive. Like, That's it's just cool, like though. small little details. Yeah. Your teeth are essentially the fingerprint of the face. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a question, kind of going back to your, your education. And, and maybe this is kind of out of your wheelhouse because it is more orthodontic oriented. But the question I have is if her teeth were crooked and protruding in certain unique ways, would it be possible that, okay, I guess going back, the, the skeleton's probably entirely lost, not just the skull, but yeah. 
focusing in on the skull that this could have been used for orthodontic studies in the 40s or 50s or whatever like is that something you can do on a skull because the teeth are very rigid that at that point you need living tissue to manipulate teeth over time or is there anything like with regards to orth orthodontistry that could have been used and maybe that's why it went missing because someone was like that's a perfect skull for my class honestly my like back then i could see that happening nowadays mm -hmm. we have 3d models and there's right. all kinds of just uh just digital models and everything like that or yeah. just like you know they'll check boxes and be like okay and then teeth shift around different ways and then also there's little like like some models that we like would practice on yeah a couple years i did study i mean back then they didn't have that right so you would think yeah did you either look at a living person's teeth or to some extent like why wouldn't they study someone that passed away right maybe that's you could have been like okay this is just like someone that passed away and you can use that for science and then didn't just mean that the science was like, you know, the body, a uh, doctor, you know, it could have been a, a you know, that doesn't talk to you, but like, could have been a dentist as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like I, gotta, I gotta defend the, the, I like the dentist out there. like that accidental shade, which <laughs> you know? is like, okay, they're, they're doctors too. Well, they, they, they are. Um, <laughs> just a lot of people don't refer them no, they to them are, as for doctors, sure. my but uncle, they totally are. My uncle was my dentist. Well, <laughs> I don't really, he's not in the same state anymore, so he isn't, but yeah. was a... Uh, yeah, that's he was my dentist. Yeah. He was, so he's I mean, a like they, they they didn't have access. I mean, Smart I'm sure they had you know uh, kind of like models and everything like that. But why wouldn't they study actual teeth? Even, right. Even if it was, it's like this is a rare opportunity. I, I, I would bet they 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 would even to see like what the decay looked like, what it would look like, different like the teeth, different stages after life, stuff like that. So yeah, that's interesting, man. I I guess like different lifetime. I, mean, I studied for a couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, and I, mean, I worked as a dental assistant for a couple of years too. That was fun. It was the I, worst thing you had to do. Um, Gotta get in there and drill. Or you you more mean, clean and like, I like analyze. Clean, like I like sterilizing like the tools. I like laying yeah, the yeah. tools down because I like working my hands. You sterilize it, them with a lighter. I, I think the worst like thing. Like you had a back alley dentistry sort of thing. Yeah, like, you like, just come like on out. The, you take the pokers chair. and you just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. blow it off. Yeah, like, yeah it's good. Yeah. Can't see no germs. Yeah. I'm not a doctor yet. Oh yeah. yeah. You kidding me? I just use mouthwash. It's mouthwash. <laughs> oh, it says it gets rid of ninety nine percent. Um, I, I think the worst thing was just like when it comes to like going to a doctor. Everyone hates going to a doctor, mm -hmm. but you go, I got to go. Right. With When it comes to dental stuff, a lot of people just go, I could just, I mean, we all do it. Something mm -hmm. happens with your mouth. They're like, it's a pain. Maybe yeah. there's a little pressure or whatever. You're just like, it goes away and you go, ah, whatever, which is the worst thing because it just festers and it gets worse. Right. Or starts breaking down, uh, you know, all the way uh, to the nerve system of your tooth. But like. Then it dies. Just, it goes painless. It, it's Ooh. it's very interesting, like drilling down to the <laughs> nerves and seeing the different strands. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then if it's inflamed, it's like a little pillow. It's, it's, Ooh, it's awesome. Pillow, no. But like, um, but it, like it was, I think the worst thing aside from like, you know, bad breath and you know, it happens, but halitosis, um, it's just the fact that like people are just like, I, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Right. I when think... you had a doctor, just like, I don't want to be here, but I need to do this. Yeah. And, like no one's coming in. And it's just like, I need to, everyone's like, I don't want to be here. He's a right. waste of my time. Why? Uh, the cool stuff, though, is like, I mean, we we were drilling to, um, uh, into a tooth once, and it just uh, completely fractured. Ooh, yeah. Oh, just and, and then just blood just squirted, ooh. squirted up on like oh, all, all of my chest and stuff like, like that. And yeah, I was ooh, like, we're getting I, in here. I, I might have <laughs> <nicked> something. <laughs> ooh, we got a live oh. one. And I was, I, I know it was it was fun. I, I totally still to the day would go back to doing yeah. that. Yeah, there's something satisfying I think about taking whether it be. 
inanimate objects or someone's oral hygiene and taking it from like where it is to like right cleaning it up, getting yeah. it all nice and sorted, and then sending them off. I think there's something cool about yeah, that. Yeah, to but, see all the dirt and stuff like that and like break it down, get yeah. it out. Yeah. I feel like dentists face a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of trust issues with yeah. dentists over a lot of other doctors, I, I've noticed. Yes. No, I agree. And um, um, that's because you can get away with a lot. You can. Like, uh, like shallow, false fillings and all sorts of yep. misdeeds. And we that, knew someone that went through that. Mm -hmm. um, also in dental school, they did, they did say that, like, you know, dentists have a high suicide rating. Um, it's just how it is. No one likes dentists. And, like, it kind of just gets to people. And for various reasons, um, it's up there. But, yeah, I enjoyed the... What oh, I, yeah. When I did do it. Yeah. Well, hello there, Task Force. This is Trevor. As always, get to talk right to you. And let me just air this one out. Worcestershire. What's going on, England, with the pronunciation? You had me twisting and toiling on, on that one. But hey, uh, I hope I pronounced it right. But anyway, this is my chance to give you some housekeeping notes on what's going on in the Red Web Task Force Society. This is my pamphlet-giving hour where I get to speak to you with... Anyway, you, you get the drill. But... Let's talk about it. So Red Web right now has a baby hands pin that came out on August 1st. This one kind of snuck up on us, so we didn't get to talk about it too much leading into this. But hey, I believe that this is going to be the beginning of something mm, special. I want to do like a pin per month. I want to do a pin of the month club. So if you guys are interested, you guys really came out for the cryptids pin and the task force pins and everything. Those are going to be released on the first Monday of every month. We'll remind you here on the podcast, but the first Monday of every month. But if nothing else, we at least have that baby hands pin. So if you missed out on the plush, you can get that pin and still represent those tiny, tiny hands. On that note, I do want to also say a little peek behind the business curtain. While the baby hands plush is completely sold out, I want you all to go to that website at store.roosterteeth.com, search up baby hands. And if you want one, there is still a way for us to reorder those. We just need to know that you're out there and hungry for some baby hands. So sign up for the uh, restock email notification. So that way we know how many of you are out there waiting for a restock on baby hands. That's the number one. In fact, it's the only way to let us know that you want to bring back out-of-stock items because you guys have been so phenomenal over the many years of just emptying out our stock when it comes to the jackets, the posters, the, all the shirts we've had, and now with the baby hands. Thank you all so much. But yes, always use that function, and I'll continue to remind you that it exists because when we hit a certain threshold behind the scenes with those email signups, I can go to the people and say, yes, please order more, and we can get that whole ball rolling. But anyway, that's a little peek. Thank you all so much for supporting the baby hands. We've got a lot of other products in the works. It does take some time when you have a custom product, but we're just a little uh, tease. We're talking about maybe a uh, mm, squonk plushie, perhaps. We're talking about a little sippy cup of knowledge action happening. But anyway, you can keep up to date uh, at store.roosterteeth.com. And that's a good way to support the show. Another good way, you guys have been, uh, thank you. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how to say thank you enough, but another good way is reviewing us on Spotify, Apple, and everything. Right now, we're sitting at 7,100 reviews with a 4.9 average. That is phenomenal. And I can't put you in the spotlight enough because that is the very reason we were recently on the front page of the Apple Podcasts uh, whole platform. When you went to Apple Podcasts, boom, Red Web Task Force, we were right there. And that's all because you guys support us, you listen to us every week, and you review us with your time. So anyway, I just wanted to say, just like last week, a thank you very much. And with that said, I want to talk about today's fantastic sponsor. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, my personal favorite, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you're not interested in that. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and to make it nice and easy for you, you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Task Force members, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash redweb. That's betterhelp.com slash redweb. And with that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. All right, let's move on now to the theories. Ooh. Let's start exploring, because as with many cases, I feel like this thing only opens up a little wider when you start to dive into the theories because more information comes forward or mm-hmm. more things start to pile on, whether they're related or not. Yeah, um, all the nuggets that you withhold from me well, finally come into the sometimes light. Sometimes they're only relevant because of the theory. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the first theory. Bella the Spy and the Moss Ups. Let's talk about this. So journalist Wilfred Byford Jones received an anonymous letter in 1953 going by the alias Anna. So this is 10 years, give or take, a few months after the body was found. This letter says, quote, Finish your articles regarding the Witch Elm crime by all means. They are interesting to the readers, but you'll never solve the mystery. One person who could give the answers is now beyond the jurisdiction of earthly courts. Much as I hate having to use a nom de plume, I think you would appreciate it if you knew me. The only clues that I can give you are that the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and alive illegally in England about 1941. I have no wish to recall anymore. Anna from Claverly. First off, earthly courts. What is this, like Lord of the Rings? Basically saying, yeah, right, like... Like, wait, hold on. They really spiced it up. Hold on, let me do it. <laughs> you know, so you see the phone, the He's, personal Google's coming. I'm diving in, in, I'm diving in. Yeah, the personal Google. Yeah, hold there. on. I mean, we are in the hiatus, not hiatus. We're we're in the heights of Tolkienism, right? He, he's in his oh. uh, he's in his 40s or 50s around this time, and so maybe the language is oh. billowing out of them. I, I don't know. I, People I will say was tiny, very, they talk all fancy, right? I, I, I yeah, it's the first thing in my mind. Why say much word when do when few <laughs> words do, do? The more advanced we get as a species, the more you caveman we speak. On that. <laughs> I got too impatient even for half words. I know. I got the idea too slow. The idea came across. <laughs> word I got small it. trick. <laughs> it's like it's like the way I Google. All right, yeah, you just, you throw just out a few little, keywords. Yeah, it's good. Maybe it'll autofill. But like, but you're I, right. It just sounded spicy. But yeah, I mean, back then they they Instead did saying they're dead. fancier. But just yeah. like uh, something about like earthly court. Where I was like, that to me, I was like, that's not like talks back then. That feels like you're spicing it up. It does feel spiced up, but let me give you a counter example or okay. counter thought. Instead of saying, you know, I'm imagining this person is writing stream of consciousness. So they say this person is beyond your earthly judgments. Mm. They are instead They're in dead. the heavens, right? They are being yeah. judged by their deeds in the great beyond, yeah. whatever your religion might okay. say. There you go. You grounded it for me. That yeah. makes sense. Then, um, but they did throw out some French. Nom de plume. Nom de plume. What, what does that mean exactly? Is that like uh, the name of the dead? Or like, I hate um, to name the dead. No plums? A pen name. A pen name. Pen oh, name. that's oh, very that. important to land on because Anna, as we will find out, is not this woman's actual name. Yeah, it's just, yep. 
So they admit that this is uh, this is kind of like a pen name. That's a lot of info. A lot of info. Like that's a ton. We're gonna dive way down into it too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to see if there's anything that kind of like brings weight or truth to this. Yeah, because that's a, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's probably one of our bigger theories. So let's dive into this. Anna sent more letters where she claimed that this Bella character was involved with an informant for the Nazi spy ring, working to determine the location of local munitions factories, which could then be targeted by the German army. After a little digging, police found that Anna was actually a woman named Una Mossop. This is where the name Mossops come in at the title of the theory. So Una accused her own husband, Jack Mossop, of killing Bella. This is why she knew more details about Jack and why she kind of spoke maybe vaguely about him, but also in a more glorious way, right? There's there's a personal connection there. So Jack, Jack Mossop, worked in an ammunition factory in Coventry. He was good friends with a Dutchman named Van Ralt, and uh, this Van Ralt character was a Nazi contact working as a middleman selling Jack's information on the arms factory he worked at to a spy ring in the Midlands. So a lot to unpack there. Wow, okay. But based on all of this, again, this, this seems to be word of mouth, but Jack did factually work at an ammunition factory, but it does put her potentially at the center of a very strong claim based on what she's saying. So Anna claims that Bella was working alongside Van Ralt and that uh, she came with him to England from the Netherlands. This would then explain why Bella wasn't filed as a missing persons in this area, why there were no dental records coming up, why none of the local missing Bellas lined up with this supposed Bella because she wasn't from here. Right, yeah. Another letter actually from Una blamed the death of Bella on a drunken mistake, saying this, quote, March or April 1941 said he had been to the Littleton Arms with Van Ralt and the Dutch Peace, i.e. Bella. And she had gotten awkward, belligerently drunk, essentially, uh, and then passed out. They went to a wood and stuck her in a hollow tree. Van Ralt said she would come to her senses the following morning. End quote. Basically saying that they all were working together. Things went down. She got drunk. They stuck her in a tree, and then the Nazi informant's like, nah, don't worry, she'll wake up in the morning and be right as rain. I look, my friends get drunk down a pass tree. out. Well, you don't stick them down a tree. Right. It's like, my question is, was, was there information that she was feeling guilty about knowing? Was she starting to become like a loose lips sort of situation? Like, oh my God, she's going to slip the deets to the police. Right. Like, is, also, is there... Also, like, the, the, like, all of that, but just like the process of, like... If you stick them down a tree and go, they'll learn their lesson. At what point do you come back and check on them? Right. Because right. oh, they'll not... wake up and be fine. Right. That's Mm-mm. they'll learn their lesson is is more so like, okay, you want to see the outcome of that. You know what I mean? You want to see the lesson learned. Um, or you want to see that, you know, you want to see the lesson learned and like awesome. They're on a better path. Or like you want to see a lesson learned in the sense of like, you know, you want to see them suffer. Or you want to mm-hmm. see like you want that satisfaction? Of like, There's no ah, follow up. To- no, there isn't. Well, At- that we know of. True. They all could come they back. They could have came back and been like, "It is what it is." Goodbye. He looks down there and he goes, "There's that fuzzy egg." I'm gonna leave that to some boys yeah. in ten years, but or excuse me, three years, two years. Um, I, I digress. It, it fits the story thus far, though, in a very interesting way. So supposedly, this Bella character was stuck in the tree while unconscious, and then when she woke up, she was unable to climb out, obviously because she was found there, and then unfortunately passed away. Now. It stands to reason why then 
Jack was committed and considered insane because Jack felt extreme, excruciating guilt following this incident, right? Leaving an unguarded, unconscious woman in a tree somewhere on some, someone's estate. And he was then admitted to a mental hospital about a year later. Jack then died before Bella's body was able to be found and Van Ralt was never found, so they could not be questioned by police, neither of them. Jack Mossop supposedly had recurring nightmares about Bella's skull being stuffed inside that tree, and that, along with his guilt, is what led to his mental breakdown and his admission to the mental hospital. Ultimately, his coroner's report suggested he may have been suffering from chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy is a progressive brain condition that's thought to be caused by repeated blows to the head and repeated episodes of concussion. It's why football players need to be very careful once they've taken one too many hits to, to you know their helmet area. But we don't know anything further about what could have been repeatedly hitting them over their head. Una hasn't really spoken to that, and so we don't know if it was a physical blow to the head that caused this sort of situation or if it was this crime or some conflation therein. But either way, police actually dismissed Una's claims as there was no evidence to back up her story and police were offering reward money to anybody with further information on Bella. So it's possible that Una made up this story in hopes of making money off of it. But if Jack Mossop really went through all of this, I think the main hangup is the coroner's report and the trauma to his brain and it missing an association to the rest of the story. She might just be using the truth yeah. to build a fantastic narrative. I, I think the where this falls apart for me is if he had so much guilt to the point where he went insane, I just don't understand like why she was left there then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because Or why not say anything? Right. Because the narrative there is that like she's alive shoved into a tree it wasn't an accidental murder or anything like that but at that point like why would you get help why wouldn't you say anything like it does that like that jump mm -hmm. is a little bit too far of a jump for me to be able to like make that narrative have any sense to me because yeah i just don't understand like granted maybe he just left her there and then it was like oh my goodness i can't believe i went through with that type of situation but it's just so weird to like, I went insane because I killed this person, but like right. he never went back. You, there, there, you could have just fixed that in so many different ways. Yeah, it, all things considered, the motive is there for Una to kind of build that white lie on a kind of history of, you know, insanity with her husband or whatever, and kind of just like throw him under the bus to maybe make the buck post-mortem. That lack of connection to whatever minimal evidence does exist does call the whole story into question, but it's an interesting lead nonetheless to have explored. Right, no, completely. So that is where that particular theory dies off. But following the dismissal of Una's story and that theory, German Gestapo Josef Jacobs brought new information to the table. Just real quick, a Gestapo, if you haven't heard of that kind of title or that nomenclature, it's essentially a secret police organization employing underhanded or terroristic methods against persons suspected of disloyalty. Not usually a term of endearment, not really a, a, a group of individuals you want to be associated with. Yeah. So Jacobs uh, was captured and arrested after breaking his ankle while parachuting into Cambridgeshire in 1941. Police found a photo of the German actress and cabaret singer Clara Bauerle in his pocket. So 
Now we have basically someone who's parachuting illegally into the country, arrested. Who's this photo? When questioned about that photo and why he had it with him, Jacob said that Bauerle and him were actually lovers, and she had been recruited as a spy by the Nazi regime. Bauerle also parachuted into the West Midlands in 1941 and then disappeared. So he's basically building a case that Clara Bauerle is actually the um, Bella that we're talking about, which is interesting. The names aren't the same, but right. similar. Yeah. So she parachuted in with him and then disappeared. This story led some to believe that this Clara Bauerle might be the woman that Una had originally been writing about, the like that Jack Mossop right. had killed. That she was an informant for the Nazi party to find out where these okay. munitions. So, wow. so again, we're adding, yeah, we're adding two people, and then that mm -hmm. is also connecting to the first theory. That's one of the things that happens with these theories is that they like build on each other, and so they, they feel discreet, but then they borrow from each other. So mm -hmm. a possibility here that this is the woman that Una was referring to. Either way, Barola was born in 1906, which would have made her 35 years old at the time of the death. Oh, wow. If the body was hers. Mm. And that's what the coroner at the time, the, the medical individual was saying. Like, how, yeah. how did she get into the country then? Parachuted in. Parachuting. Oh, okay. Like a, a spy, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that being an actress, a German actress would have helped her meld in to regular the regular populace maybe affect an english accent be able to procure a job be able to like start to cozy up to people working at munitions plants such as jack mossop so it's interesting news articles also reported that bowerla had a sudden end to her career in 1941 it's boom on the money oh man this is a there are literally news articles about this person and yeah. her career ending the same year that she supposedly jumped into cambridgeshire uh, as a spy. Just went missing. Mm -hmm. Or or just sudden end of career. Huh. That no one really followed up on her being missing, but instead just, I guess her career has ended and uh, she's gone behind I the scenes. I retired, goodbye. Mm -hmm. So this theory was debunked by the fact that when people looked into it, Bauerla was around 5'10". So a, a solid 10 oh, inches taller. That's a good amount. Yeah. Dang. The five foot Bella. But, but up until this point, it felt very, very rich yeah, with detail, it, very possible. It felt pretty on point. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, it was discovered that Clara Bauerle actually died in a Berlin hospital in December of 1942, further proving that she was not the mysterious Bella found in the Witch Elm. But of course, as is normal for Red Web, we're going to discuss all the details. Right. We're going to discuss all the theories that have once been active oh. and are now dead or are still active and this that, one has thankfully come to a close we right. have a little bit more understanding it, it's still now. nice to get the understanding because yeah. that i mean that right there was it was tied together pretty nicely oh yeah and then it very quickly like exited right. nicely as well we're right. like no this this and this it's nice. i mean the 10 inches that's a huge 10 inches difference. is different yeah. it's a couple inches ago ah maybe i don't right. know is there any shrinkage with mm -hmm. decomposition like decomposing i i, I, I don't know but right. like 10 inches like i'd also be curious if, if <laughs> come this, on uh, that's a lot right i'd also be curious if this actress had the same kind of teeth right you know like oh that's a thing too you would totally know the teeth yeah like i recognize that smile anywhere but yeah i mean it's nice to discuss a theory because for many years right this was pretty thoroughly thought to be the answer that's uh, actually the yeah i would think that that wouldn't be why was that thought to be the 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 answer for so long because then you can just tell the teeth match up well yeah that's that's interesting certainly like the height do we know when the theory was debunked by the height christian that's one piece that i'm curious about 
But everything else lines up so interestingly that it's yeah, like, it but that your mind is so eager for the answer wants to just believe it. But you know, there are still so many other questions not but answered. But I feel like also but, like this was an actress, so you would just tell the teeth, boom, mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. That's yeah. For this to even have made it beyond uh, right, the teeth would have had to match right. up similarly. Certain some, suddenly, I, somebody's like shuffling a bunch of papers. I gotta, I gotta look into this officer. Like, hold on, let's see the smile. This isn't the one. Right, done, done. Boom. And for this to be like a theory that, like, mm -hmm. I, I want to know if everyone's like, this is the main theory. Like, right. What was your answer for that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's very. That's a mystery in itself. I also feel like if she was well enough known as an actress. The height thing would have popped out too, but hey, you know, right? Everything becomes clearer in hindsight. I'm sure true, once this true. mystery, if it ever becomes solved, it will become clearer in hindsight. Yeah, it could be very simple, you know. It looks as if in 1941 there were interrogation reports where people were talking about Clara's height. Okay, all right. So most people were right on the money, and it wasn't. I I misspoke. It was not strongly believed for years, but rather questioned immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. My bad. Strike the record. Um, they did their due diligence. Yeah. So those are two, I mean, depending on how you feel about them. Yeah. Otherwise, solid theories because there's a story there. But when you look a little deeper, that's when it quickly falls apart. Such is a theory. Moving on to a little bit more of a fantastical one. This one's literally about witchcraft. And if you know anything about witchcraft, mm. whether it be the Salem Witch Trials or all of the stuff that went down across the pond in Europe. It has a very problematic history centered around fear of the unknown and also a lot of prejudice regarding women. Yeah. Let's just say like it is. Yep. And so that, you know, part of that will play into what went down here. So with that said, let's dive into this theory around witchcraft because Hagley Woods had an ancient history of the very same thing, witchcraft. Local journalist Donald McCormick wrote in 1968 about the covens in the area saying this, quote, There was an ancient tradition that the spirit of a dead witch could be imprisoned in the hollow of a tree and thus preventing from wreaking any more harm in the world. Of course, we know now with great hindsight and scientific understanding right. that all of this is very, very silly. Yep. Um, but it doesn't stop people of the time from believing these sort of things. Oh, man. Like, is, is it? Oh, did the killer put her body in there believing that mm -hmm. or they were just inspired right oh either way not great right not not great at all so professor margaret murray an anthropologist at university college london suggested that the witch elm murder might simply be the result of witchcraft since the name bella raised concerns Belladonna is a type of poisonous plant associated with dark magic. Some sources claim that the tree Bella was found in was actually witch hazel, still spelled witch, W-Y-C-H, but witch hazel, a tree that is often mistaken for a witch elm, and the names are sometimes used interchangeably, in fact. Witch elm has associations with witchcraft as well, and that's why sometimes they get conflated. Witches who committed crimes, I will put that kind of in very heavy quotation marks, were supposedly imprisoned inside trees like witch elms, which were commonly associated with dark magic, again, because of the idea that it would withheld, withhold their kind of... Yeah, their, I don't know, essence. Their essence, their power, <laughs> whatever it, yeah. might follow them from the great beyond. 
And there is apparently a ritual ceremony in witchcraft known as the Hand of Glory. I was about to say, is there something with the hands? Mm-hmm, right, because that hand was missing. Good point. In this ceremony, the person being sacrificed is hanged, has their hand cut off, and burned from a candle made of the fat from their own hand. What? Wild. I don't know how anyone Wild. even comes up with this sort of stuff. How do you even... It's like a mad lib of terrible things. Up. Right. That's so the insane. hand... The hand that was located 13 paces from the tree, right, and, and then in various pieces, was an ancient custom used in the execution of a witch. So it could answer as to why the hand was found in pieces mm -hmm. around the tree and was able to be gotten to oh. by wildlife, whereas the body might not have been. See, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know anything about anything, but like, except you teeth. Would, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got you on that. Um, you would think that we would know the answer to that piece mm -hmm. because if they cut their hands you'd probably see some scratch marks on mm -hmm. the bones it's a very good point um so at that point you go okay this kind of leans towards that theory but if there wasn't like how right like mm -hmm. then then yeah it was just not like i don't know nature right right animals yeah wild animals that just like picked away and like took the hand yeah um Jeez, because I, I wouldn't think that they would be so precise as to not leave any type of markings on um, the bone. But I feel like that you find that out, then you can kind of figure out whether or not this was like a right a witch thing. I mean, when it comes to Murray himself, the professor that I was referring to, Mar mm -hmm. Margaret Murray, she's pretty convinced that this person was in fact a victim of a ritual held by an inexperienced occultist. And to your point, it would stand to reason, especially if they were inexperienced, but either way, that the wrist area, if they mm -hmm. could at least find the hand portions of the bone, or at least uh, if they looked at the skeleton and, and looked at the kind of furthest most down point of the wrist, that some sort of markings would be right. visible. It's That's what really bums me so much Damn. out about missing that skeleton is we can't, in retrospect, go and look at that sort uh, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But man, if it doesn't fit this occultist kind it of does. ritual. Yeah. Um, well, as soon as that you said the hands were like scattered, I was like, why? And then you say, well, you know, maybe it was like wildlife. I'm like, ah, good point. Right. But it was it was definitely good of you to kind of pin that and mm -hmm. bring it back. Because I almost, honestly, I almost forgot about it. Because I got so in the throes of this in, weird yeah, theory that yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Instantly, I was like, that's weird. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, and is there that's anything else to do that? That's why I like your that? gut check and, and then it wasn't. And then you mm -hmm. gave me that nugget at the end. So Murray's theory was popular in local newspapers and eventually led police to the murder of someone else. The murder of Charles Walton, whose body was found nearby, pierced with a pitchfork, uh, but the theory was soon after dismissed by police. That's a whole other kind of murder I'm not going to dive into, but and I actually don't know about, Jeez, I'll admit, these, but Christian, was Charles Walton uh, in the similar area? Is that what they mean by nearby? And was that also a victim of this potential ritual? Is that how they were able to kind of dive in on this or like why are people going like this is the spot right they're like i'm gonna go haunt that that lord's manor yeah also like if you're the lord of this manor you've got to be like come on stop just stop killing people on my right, property right. jesus deforest that stuff like, you know like get rid of it right so, like people are using it in the ter most terrible ways right. what a weird like thing to deal with what what would you turn the if you had to deforest it for the sake of stopping this Stopping these rituals, stopping these crimes, mm -hmm. stopping these hidings. Mm -hmm. What would you do productively with that wood? 
Make them uh, all into something farmland like, or little fence posts. Or you you know what's what's something nice you can make out I, of it. I mean farmland or maybe like a bunch apple, of crosses, apple trees. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to turn the energy around a little Man, bit. I just had all these you know, great, he just kept uh, just caught me off guard. I feel like I was making into was, a couple whistles. I had a hand on the steering wheel and I was driving I, down I put, this I path. I put your hands he, on the steering wheel. I was like, right. go ahead and drive us for a little bit. Then, Hold on though. And then he's like, hey, you want to go down E-break. this path? Sure, why not? Just kept yanking it like hard right. <laughs> God, I forgot what I was doing. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Even derailed Christian. So talk about Charles Walton. I I, I admit yeah. I don't know much about that. I, the name rings a bell, certainly with the pitchfork situation. But yeah, looking at at Charles Walton. So he was murdered in February 1945, and he was found in a field close to a village that is about 40-ish miles from Hagley. Okay. Okay. Oh, so not that close. And not that close, but. It seems as if just the circumstances surrounding the murder, I'm still trying to look at more, um, are reminiscent okay. to, uh, to Bella. Okay. And so, was this the gentleman that was um, in a chimney? No, he was in a field. Okay. Oh, yeah, you yeah. did say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, there, yeah. there is a uh, another kind of mystery, murder mystery kind of thing with a body in a chimney, but that's a story for another day. But anyway, this theory was soon dismissed by police. Interestingly enough, though, I, I gotta admit, as much as it has a problematic history, there were victims to this problematic history. Yeah. And we could be looking right at one because it, it really fits yeah, the it occultist ritual that uh, Professor Margaret Murray oh, kind of outlined. It is so. unfortunate because they examine the remains. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, you just take a look at it. Those were the times. These are un- unfortunate events that happened during mm-hmm. these times. Like that's one of the things you just look at. Absolutely. Where, where the hand sawed off. Let me see if there's any like scratch marks, chippings of the bone. Right. Man. Yeah. Just one other quick thing about Walton. Uh, so as we said, he was found kind of stabbed uh, uh, to the pinned to the ground by a pitchfork. Ugh. And uh, apparently, staking someone to the ground is a traditional way of killing a witch and making sure that their powers drain away into the earth. Uh, All right, let me just spell this one out for whatever witch hunters are out there, Hansel and Gretel, okay? There's no witches kicking it. Not in the the way that you're after them, I should say, with full respect to actual witchcraft and... And uh, also, and, and has that, anyone proven any of this to like? But also, what I really want to dive in after is is these supposed rituals and traditions. They seem all over the place, and they just seem like good excuses to go attack someone. Yep. You Cut know, it out. You know. You know what? You know. It's, down your pitchfork and get back to work. You know what it sounds like? What does it sound like? It sounds like someone who suspect they had done the person of being a witch, stabbed them in that way, mm-hmm. and then went. Ah, this is their soul goes back to the right, earth. Right, right, right. That's not only did I have motive, right? It was okay motive, and it was with good reason. It These very are all... much feels like they just that's made it up my along excuse, the way. officer. That's mm. why I stabbed them into the ground because that way their essence and soul will go back into the earth mm-hmm. to protect this. Mm-hmm. So, with witchcraft slightly behind us now, let's talk about some of the smaller local theories because there are a few okay. kind of urban folklore kind of pieces that might help kind of solve this, or at least some of the stories that tumble around the local villages and, and whatnot. So there used to be a prostitute in the area who worked Hagley Road back in the late 30s, actually named Bella. Hmm. Bella disappeared in 1941, the same year 
James Webster, the previously mentioned medical examiner, presumed which Elm Bella had died. So it lines up with the disappearance. Now, in addition to disappearing in 1941, the same year that the witch Elm Bella supposedly died, uh, Hagley Village locals claimed that Romani people used to camp out in Hagley Woods during 1941. So to expand upon their story and to at least create an answer out of this story, some of those people theorized that perhaps she was camping with the Romani people or that Bella was killed by the Romani people and then subsequently ended up in the tree. Interesting. So there were people that are camped out around that area, mm-hmm. which is weird because mm-hmm. it's like private property. But then also because of her business practices, that's why she was with these strangers. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. So that's one local story. Another one's even shorter, that Bella was a local barmaid who had been killed by a foreign military member. Some suspecting this person could have also been the father of her child, the person that the medical expert James Webster said Mm -hmm. she had one, right? And then a third local story says that Bella was actually a homeless woman that had no loved ones in order to report her missing. There's no answer as to why she went missing, how she was killed, but only that the woman in the tree was a homeless person and had no records and no loved ones to report her. And that's why we have an unsolved mystery. Some other less local theories, but are still kind of small, I've heard, are that because this area was definitely wrought with action in World War II, Mm -hmm. um, one of the theories I've heard about is that there were air raids going on in the area, and that during one of these sirens or during one of these raids or what have you, in a desperate attempt to seek shelter, why ever she was there, whoever she was, oh. this person got in this tree because it was the only form what of... An interesting theory. Yeah, that she climbed in and then was unable to escape. Again, it's a much shorter theory, but it is something I've read about. Oh, man. I feel like you'd line that up by, was there an air raid that year? Uh, well, depending on the range, right? Like, Right. Predicted to be 35, if you want to get accurate, but the range was like 25 to 40. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. 15-year gap, there could have been a ton of air raids. Right. Well, the question in the end is, who put Bella in the witch elm? Yeah. Who wrote these messages? Are these messages just viral attempts to continue to keep the story alive? Was this person a victim of ritualistic sacrifice or, or other dark, sinister means? Of course, if it was anything... In the realm of murder, it's dark, right? Yeah. That goes without saying. Yeah. But, Or was it some sort of accident? It's a very interesting predicament for an True. accident. But really, the, the closer you look at this case, the more questions arise. And it's still a very, very fascinating case, which keeps the English countryside and the world yeah. interested to this day. There's a couple but, of uh, theories where I could just scratch off the list for me. But yeah, there's there's still so many. I go, yeah, that, kinda, that could work. Yeah. That, that, what stands that, out that, to you but, still? Um, well, the second theory, I, I just don't think works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it Jack going mad and everything like that? Right. Yeah. Um, that Jack Mossop, um, right. working at a munitions factory was, uh, mm-hmm. then suddenly working with a couple of folks from the Netherlands who were spies right. and that went south. Um, yeah. and the, the whole witch, witch, uh, ritual stuff, like I can see that lining up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think there's a, there's a couple things I'd be like. Uh, that doesn't quite work for me, but then there's also a handful where I just go, ooh, yeah, that could be it, or that could be it. Like, I mean, it's a mystery for a reason. A lot of the local stuff, though, I feel like it's just gossip, 
but maybe that's just because there's nothing else tied to them. You know, we had a couple of these theories that were um, pretty rich in detail. Right. And then there's like, here's like a couple of one-liners. So to me, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, that's just locals, you know, just gossiping. Right. I mean, they're rich in detail, but weak in answers, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it is just gossip, though, for the local. It, we'd be remiss to not right. talk about them. But yeah, I think it's just locals who are much more intimately aware mm -hmm. of these details that something that sinister happened in their backyard and they True. whatever they can to resolve that i mean human nature is very interesting and when something dark especially unknown happens it is natural to want to figure out whatever it was right and your brain kind of goes through some jumps in logic just to resolve it and to become okay with it so you can move on but yeah with that said this is the top of the month happy august everybody Ooh. we're starting our unsettling forest month and with that we're going to continue next week on the English countryside. So, hey, task force members over in England, we're not letting you up light. We're going hard Jeez. on the forests yeah. of England. <laughs> we're attacking forests. all the forests. Uh, if you have any stories from these destinations, please let us know. If you've been to these places, let us know proactively. Would love to uh, hear from it. But otherwise, we got Full tons of other... Full salt on their forests. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think, like, this month is going to be interesting. I know nothing about it, but it can go so many ways. We have oh, a yeah. murder mystery, but, I mean, you could go with... Like spirit, you can oh, yeah. cryptids. We're, we're talking about all forests. kinds of weird stuff that could be going it's down be a lot. in the forest. And cults, rituals. Like, mm -hmm. who knows? I don't. I'll tell you that much. You guys <laughs> do. But um, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. We're going to cover the spread for sure. Christian, what else we, what other forests we have later this month? Do we have the Black Forest? What else we got? Let's see. We have Rendlesham. We have the Black Forest. And then we have the, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Tunguska. Tunguska. Mm. We got some good ones. Damn. Okay. And you're right. They do range. Not oh, all of them. They're not I all the same it, stuff. I knew it. So anyway, Fredo, I'll see you right back here next week for another mystery in the woods. <laughs> <laughs>